Welcome everyone to Flash Fantasy's Riftwalkers. If you want to see some other cool things we do, check us out at flashfantasypodcast.com for stories, art, and our previous projects. You can also check out our Patreon where we have some behind-the-scenes materials for everyone and some extra juicy stuff for the patrons. Thanks again for listening, and here is Riftwalkers. Last time, we were able to infiltrate the Cathedral of Sereth, posing as Emeric pilgrims performing different rites. As you made your way to the catacombs in search of Magister Morden's forlorn halls, as he told you, you were able to pinpoint a strange door that only opened after accepting a small sacrifice of flesh from Luca, losing his pinky in the process. Going through this ethereal stone into a passageway much, much older than where you just were. Why don't we, real quick, just define your marching order? Lyrian is towards the front of the group because he does have dark vision, so he can see past a little bit of the light that is provided. And I know he's a little bit more combat ready than Luca at the moment with his pinky missing. I mean, that is a pretty big blow. Losing two-thirds of your pinky. <laughs> I say Mick is towards the back, probably in the back. Just going to observe the surroundings as we continue on in this path. Um, and yeah. Reese will be in the back with Mick, watching their back. In the very back or behind Mick? Very back behind Mick. Okay. Efron motions for Lyrian to join him in the front, since they've got good reflexes. So in case, you know, you get any Indiana Jones-style traps... You know, we can spikes out of the wall, spear Lyrian through the chest yeah. and head. Yeah. So we could dodge that before, you know. Depending on where Val is going to go, Luca is going to take a central position, either in front of or behind Val or wherever uh, he prefers, as he's not going to be focusing on much other than sort of bandaging his pinky in a way that it's, it's not going to stay loose or it's not going to come loose. It's actually going to be okay. So just for me, right now it's Efron, Lyrian, Luca. Val, Mick, Reese. Yep, Efron, Lyrian, Luca, Val, Mick, Reese. Perfect. So, you are all standing before this doorway. Cool, I open it. All right. You see a room. It is pretty barren, save for some small crates that seem to have books and such in them. Other than that, the walls, like I said, are this old hewn stone. Not, I'd say, carved right out of natural caverns, but maybe has degraded to the point where it looks like natural caverns, in a way. Uh, Lyrian goes to pick up one of the books to see if he can see what it says. Okay, so as you move toward one of the crates and inspect its contents, you see that these tomes are centuries old, and as you pick one up, the pages fall out in dust between your fingers the bindings coming loose and you're just holding maybe 50% left of hard covers in each of your hands. The rest of the book completely dissolved. Oh, this is Luca's kind of book, you know? <laughs> no reading necessary. Um, do any of the covers look to be in languages that I can speak? There are a few where you recognize Kinlish. However, nothing concrete. Okay. It seems to be an older version of the language that you're largely unfamiliar with. You may have heard about it, but this seems to have been written from before there were multiple races of kin. Ooh, wow. So this is before your race existed. 
This is before the Elvkin existed. This is before the Mazkin existed. This is when everything was just one kin. Val is appropriately impressed. I want to take one, but they're just going to fall apart. <laughs> I say we fall, John. Oh, is my detect magic still going? Yes. Okay. Do I see anything magic in here? No. Everything seemed to have been centered around the doorway. Also, the only sources of light, if no one's lit anything further than Val's dancing lights. Um, I just realized that dancing lights is a concentration spell, as is detect magic. So anytime <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was detecting magic, we're blind. <laughs> so basically, Luca... Upon examining this wall, felt everything until he stuck his finger into a hole. Because <laughs> he couldn't actually see anything. There were no lights. Beautiful. I mean, there were Lyrian's rats. Oh, the That's ethereal true. glow of his rats on the ground. And, and Reese's face. All right, so is anyone lighting anything? Luke is going to light a candle. Gosh. And then he's going to put it in a shielded lantern and not hold it towards Reese. It's <laughs> okay, Reese doesn't, need, doesn't it. need it. Yeah, his eyes are light off. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, Reese uh, goes up to Ifran and now speaking, because he's assuming in his mind that they can now talk since they're out of the catacombs. Ifran, I think we have reached this second section of the catacombs. I think we should press on until we find this man, wherever he is. Or she, I do not know. Yes, I agree. I do not know how long the rite of mourning is supposed to last, but... If we are done here too long, I think they might get suspicious. One can only mourn for so long. Reese just nods his head and kind of waits for them to reform the same order that they were in before. Our execution order? Yep, exactly. Which is why Reese is in the back. (laughs) (laughs) So, like I said, you're in this one room, and there is a passageway, an open passageway, on the northwest corner that leads more northern into another small room where then two doors on the east and west side are. This room is considerably smaller. The walls maybe one time held different carvings and etchings, but everything has been weathered away, so for all intents and purposes, it's a bare room. Can Luca perform an examination of these doors? Just kind of see what the gist is? Yes. The one on the east seems to be of more simple construction than the western door. The western door seems to have a sort of metal mechanism running along it. Underneath is this old but still very durable wood with these rivets of iron across it. And even bits of steel in these strange patterns of this intricate lock. Two slots seem to be awaiting a very distinctly shaped key, which is currently not in your possession. Luca is going to pull out his lock-picking tools, and he's going to give these bad boys a whirl. Assuming they are mechanical and not magical, this might be possible. Are they magical? (laughs) (laughs) They are not. Then you're good. Cool. A sleight of hand roll? With disadvantage. Oh, because you're missing your pinky. (laughs) (laughs) Twelve. All right. As you put your lockpick in this slot. The slot is about the size of two of your fingers and a thumb pressed together. So you kind of just like poke around with your tools and you find little contacts there, but there doesn't seem to be anything past that. You are unable to open this door with your thieving tools. I'm going to try the other lock, but I might be able to find out, you know, from my experience, maybe I'll get better rolls at this disadvantage here. Unlikely, but it's possible. 
And just as a side note, while Luca's doing this, Reese is attempting to open the other door. We can Reese opens the other door. Oh, it opens. Okay. Okay. How does a 22 do? You are able to ascertain that each of these tiny little contacts, of which you count dozens within the slots, need to be depressed in some sort of fashion to open the door. However, you lack the capability. Oh, yeah, no, if there are dozens of different things here to move, what are they called? Dozens of different pins? They're not even pins, really. They're just like little buds. Yeah, either way, if there are dozens of them, he's not doing this. So after his examination on the inside, he concludes that he can no longer do it. And then seeing that Reese just opened the other door, feels kind of like a fool, uh, tucks his tools away and uh, moves in that direction, seeing that the door is now open. Um, as Ifran walks through, Reese kind of falls behind him and just asks, Ifran, what are the chances that we're actually going to be set free after this is all said and done? Magister Morden, he is not a merciful man. However, he has a certain code. Um, many of the magisters do. So I believe that he will, in one way or another, honor the agreement that we have. But... Perhaps he does not have high hopes for us to be successful in holding up our part of the bargain. But if we return to him, and if we don't say anything stupid, or do anything that would displease him, then I believe he will let us go. But I do not think it will be the last time that we cross paths with the Magister. That is what I'm afraid of. But very well, I will restrain myself until we can know for certain whether we were free or not. So you all shuffle into this, you know, 10 by 15 foot tiny little room. Again, it's pretty featureless, except there is another door leading from the north. However, this door has been demolished. Bits and pieces of wood are lying against this stone frame. A bit of stone has crumbled down on top of it. The remnants of the door are strewn about your feet and in the small hallway in front of you, which lead to a much larger chamber, it looks like. It'd be easy enough to mount these pile of stones and wood and hop over this obstacle into the next room. Should I send the Archbishop ahead to scout? That might be wise. All right, I will set the Archbishop on the ground on the other side of the pile or I will pass her forward because <laughs> I'm at the back of the room <laughs> <laughs> we're all just back there's an owl can't the owl just fly like <laughs> <laughs> I assume that there's not a lot of room for flying but is there room for her to fly I mean someone's gonna get whacked in the face <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why I was passing her very kindly like a plush toy so the arch bishop is passed to the front <laughs> and then if you just want to set her down she can hop uh, through the hallway the owl hops through the hallway and then takes a little leap and takes flight and just goes forward into the room and she disappears going upwards and you hear the flapping of her wings subside getting a little quieter and quieter and then getting louder again as she descends and then comes to a landing in the middle of that room having completed your orders. Okay. Um, I will go blind and put my sight into her. Okay. So as you enter your owl, you see this room that is a good 30 by 35 feet or so. It's a nice rectangle. The ground is bare. However, the walls are filled with these little alcoves with crude tombs 
stone that's been weathered down over many years to where you can peer inside them and see the bits of bone and dust, whatever remains of people. And this room extends upward into darkness about a hundred feet is as far as your owl can see. And these little alcoves with the tombs, there's just one on top of the other, on top of the other, going all the way up into the darkness. I I will report this image back to my uh, party. Do you want me to have her look around for something? Perhaps fly up? I don't know what she will find, but... If it's all the same to everyone else, it's a bit cramped in here. We could go into the room ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Does anything seem to be, like, responding to her presence? It doesn't seem like it, but you notice above you, it's incredibly brief, but there's a small pulse of light, and then it's gone. And if you were to wait, say, another minute or two, you would see it again. Feeling a little unnerved thinking about entering the next uh, room and hallway or whatever. Lyrian actually draws out his short swords. Does everyone move into the next room then? Yes. Yeah, we can move. I want to send the Archbishop um, up to fly up, and then I will just put my hand on, like, Mick's shoulder <laughs> and stumble through. Because <laughs> I can't see right now, so... Will do. Thanks! As you are all inside this room, just around the hallway... Val, as you fly up in the body of the Archbishop, this blue pulse comes again, and you see in that brief moment of light, there's a huge chain that extends downward, and on the end of that chain is a little socket of sorts, and in that socket are four luminescent stones that seem to then give off this light intermittently. They're only about as big as, say, for reference, the slots on the western door two rooms ago. (laughs) For reference. But they give off an incredibly potent light. Are they small enough that the Archbishop could maybe, like, push one out of this socket and drop it on us? Easily. Okay, great. And it'll fall about 200 feet. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone look out. I'm dropping something from up (laughs) there. All right. So then everyone hears this little like as it detaches from way, way up above and you hear a little whistle as it spins in the air and then it plummets down and then it shatters on the ground. Oh, I didn't think about that. I I knew it. (laughs) Somebody should have caught it. (laughs) Idiot. Can she pick one of these up and bring it down? (laughs) I'm an idiot. (laughs) I'm so sorry, you guys. (laughs) It's okay, you guys. I could put it back together. I can put it back together. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, Luca's going to go inspect what it's made out of. As the Archbishop is flying down and Luca is inspecting this shattered crystal, it is just that, some sort of crystalline substance hardened over many years from some unknown element. Um, I will take this crystal and um, offer it to someone else <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to fix the other one that I broke. Um, (laughs) I'll send the Archbishop up for the other two, and then in the meantime, I will reclaim my sight, and then I'm going to cast Fabricate (laughs) using the crystal bits just to make it look like the crystal again. (laughs) Okay. As Val reassembles this crystal, just to clarify one last time, who has a source of light? Reese. Luca's got his candle. Yeah, there's a a lantern. Reese's face, a lantern, and a candle. And then the pulsating blue, which has died down considerably, 
the archbishop returns with the third of these crystals. I'll hold on to that one. And do you send her away for the last? Yeah. (laughs) We'll see what happens. So, as the archbishop goes up and pulls the crystal out, you hear a large cranking sound begin, and the chain kind of jolts downward a bit, and then it starts steadily lifting upward, 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 further and further into the darkness until it disappears from sight. Okay, so now that we just triggered a trap, does everyone want to leave? Yeah, I was about to say, like, get close to the door. Let's go. In that instance, as the archbishop is still flying down with the last crystal, because, you know, that owl went up like 200 feet, there is a big as something crashes down in one of the corners of the room and just blasts apart, and it's a corpse. So it's just bones and... It's basically just bones at this point. Flesh that's been so dried out and pulled taut against whatever's left that it just shatters upon hitting this stone. How did you get such a realistic sound effect for this body falling? (laughs) I mean, what inspired that? (laughs) Who does your foley, Ryan? Screw you, Ammon. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you even had the opportunity to say as the gaseous bloated corpse explodes, giving a justification for the... <laughs> but instead, it's the body hits and a fart happens. Everyone's a critic. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um... And in the next five seconds, two more corpses tumble down out of their alcoves and splat against the ground. All right. Reese, standing by the door, immediately shoves Mick back into the hallway and attempts to grab Lyrian to try to throw him into the hallway as well, just kind of getting people out of here. Does Lyrian allow him to do that? Yes. Okay. We need to get out of here now, and Reese is now motioning for everyone else to, to come through, hoping that they will follow quickly. Yeah, Luca will follow. Val is just going, sorry, 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 like, <laughs> Not even paying attention to the bodies falling as it slowly builds this thing back up. The Archbishop has not yet reached you. Oh, no! At this point, okay, cool. A body comes down and lands on top of Reese. Oh, perfect. In the doorway? Yes, in the doorway. (laughs) And it it smashes into your head and kind of stumbling you, dealing a total of seven damage. As it just breaks apart into bits and pieces. And then it starts happening much more quickly, like an impact every second. Reese, recovering from this brief moment of disorientation, falls back into the corridor and is still motioning for everyone else to get in there. Yeah, Efron is not like sitting like, wow, I wonder what's causing all these bodies to fall. Luca also leaves the room, but is trying to like push Val to leave the room as well. He's crazy, but he's not heart. Uh, he's pretty heartless. He's crazy and heartless. <laughs> What's there to be heartless about? Dispel the owl. <laughs> Let it go back to the fae. We need the crystal. She's, she's carrying the crystal, yeah. Well, why, why don't we just drop it the rest of the way? Because <laughs> we saw what happened it. with the first one. Well, we'll nobody was it. ready to catch it. How close is she? Well, then I hope you get back because I've already got one crystal in my hands and I'm down one pinky. Who knows if I can <laughs> hold another? Oh my, okay, fine. Wait for the archbishop. <laughs> you guys can go. I'll wait for her. Lucas, no, no, we're not that kind of a team. You know, no man left behind, you know? No owl left behind. <laughs> okay. 
So the archbishop reaches you, and at this point, there's a body tumbling onto the ground and just splattering all about, like, every half second. Luke is booking it, then. If the owl's back and we got the key, Luke is like, all right, cha-cha. Yeah, as soon as I have the crystal, I am running. All right, so then you return to this small chamber that then lets out into the larger chamber that you came from that had the two doors in it. The sounds of bodies piling up behind you just seems to grow until when you look behind you, you don't see anything from the room anymore. You just see a pile of corpses that kind of jitters every little while as, you know, more and more of these corpses pile on top of each other, slowly filling this room, spilling out into this small hallway. Do they appear hostile or are they just falling? They're mostly in pieces. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to decide if it's worth, like, fabricating a door to block them in. But if there's not, like, a thousand zombies trying to kill us right now, I think I'll hold off. And I mean, we, we do have a door in leading into the next room that we can close. Does everyone go back into the room with the two doors then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And Reese will close the door behind him. <laughs> Great Foley, Brett. So is Luca going to the western door once more? Yeah, Luca's going to slide that bad boy in there. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about his other finger. (laughs) (laughs) There it goes. Darn it, I lost it again. Oh, man. You know, at this rate, we can get through, like, at least ten secret doors. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey look i'll get at least 10 secret doors and i get one knuckle of each finger <laughs> oh which that's is... good 20 <laughs> that's like that's huge guys so then luca as you insert these crystals into the slots you seem to kind of jiggle them a little bit until they lock into a more certain position where you feel them interacting with these contacts And then the door slides open, disappearing into the walls on either side. Do you lead your party through? I lead the party through, but I am constantly on the lookout for traps. Like, after losing his finger and all the dead bodies falling down, he's eyes open. Let's do perception then. While he's doing that, Efron asks Val for one of the crystals so he can inspect it. Cool. I will hand Efron a crystal. So Luca got a three on his roll. So he's constantly scanning for traps, but the poor light is not allowing him to see much. Did his candle go out? <laughs> After hours. After running away from all those bodies. It must the the wind got it. <laughs> all that. <laughs> <laughs> the case around the candle did not. The zombie part <laughs> extinguished the candle. It did. A body lands right next to him. He just hear a <laughs> And then whoosh. Your hair is blown back and the candle extinguished. <laughs> In one foul stench. <laughs> Felt the I can't. <laughs> but yeah, he got a three for his check for traps bit there. So that's uh, oh, um, at that point, if Luca triggered a trap, you probably wouldn't have even realized it. I mean, I'm sure I realized after I lost my leg or something. <laughs> nope, another finger. Would it be worth it to have Lyrian do a roll? Because he he still has his his short swords drawn and everything, and he so he's he is being cautious. Yeah, I think you can. <laughs> I got a 24. Okay. Whoa. So, Lyrian, as you are coming along this winding hallway leading from the western door, there's a small antechamber before leading into a larger chamber. 
in the antechamber, there are a series of plates on the ground, a bit raised in the stone itself, each one of them with a different etching. There are nine of them total in a sort of square pattern. They don't seem to be connected to anything in the room in particular, and the passageway leading into the larger chamber is completely clear, so you could move onward without interacting with these plates in the floor. Are they magic? (laughs) (laughs) They are not. They seem to be entirely mechanical in nature. So before, you know, Luca goes much further ahead, Lyrian calls out, wait a moment. And he kind of shares with the group what he's discovered about these plates. And you said these are like kind of, they're arranged in a circular type fashion or? No, they're in a array. Okay. I'm going to say, Efron, after hearing Lyrian um, describe these plates, Efron goes to uh, investigate them and to see if he can uh, distinguish any of the symbols or possibly a slot for a crystal. It does not seem so. And in fact, one of these symbols is kind of destroyed. Reese is going to kind of ignore the tiles for a bit and see if he can see anything in the adjacent room. So as Reese pushes past his companions and heads into the room, you see that every five feet or so, there are these rods that run along parallel the wall with tattered cloth draped just over them. Whatever tapestry or whatnot hung from these ages-old halls are completely gone. But... At the end of the hall, you see a small passageway that gives way to an even smaller room, and inside that room, there is a sort of basin on a raised platform. The ceiling here is also vaulted, which has been unlike the other passages and rooms you've been in so far. Reese is going to go and investigate the basin, but other people can do stuff first if they want. Sure. So Luca enters the larger room in front, not understanding what is on these plates and seeing that they don't actually bar his passage. Okay, so as Luca enters, you see, you know, Reese has gone ahead into this small room at the terminal end of the hall, looking at this basin, and you see, just off to your right, the west side, that there is another tiny hallway that seems to go deeper into this complex, another door barring your way at the end of it. Holding his candle forward, he moves towards this door. And as you reach the door, it seems to be made of pure stone. Is there a small hole at the bottom corner? No. (laughs) There is not. Dang it. There is Um, no offering hole. (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to use a finger this time. I was going to use a a piece of bone, see if that worked. But I guess sans that. All right. Is there there any sort of thing that appears like any opening or any cutout that could be a door? Or is it just a stone slab? possibly needing to be lifted. No, it's obvious that it's a doorway. The mechanism for opening it, however, is not apparent. All right. Um, I'm going to return to the middle then. So Mick, also hearing about these tiles, is going to move forward and is going to go to the larger room and examine what's on the walls or the tapestries or just around. Yeah, as you move into the main room and then start looking around, like I said, these tapestries are dust on the ground. The bits of cloth that are still there are tattered beyond recognition. 
there was anything written or depicted upon them, it's long faded away. But, like I said, this room is of a bit of a peculiar architecture. The vaulted ceiling has windows in it, though obviously no light is coming through them. If anything, this resembles the inside of a chapel. Can Val investigate the plates? Yes, of course. Great. Oh, I rolled so bad. It's an 11 total. Is it a three? If not, it's great. I rolled a a two. (laughs) Oh, that is bad. So Larian and Val move up to the plates, and Val, you actually, these are recognizable to you as Kindlish letters. Oh, sweet. But they don't spell anything. It's, I don't, I don't want to say nonsensical, but as you're peering at it, the different letters and any combinations you can make, there aren't any words that carry particular meaning that you could spell out. And of course, there is the broken tile, too. I look at Lyrian and I say, should I push one or should I not do that? Well, before, <laughs> before Lyrian says to push one, he's like, do you know what these mean? They're kinlish letters, but they don't mean anything. It's like I, I can't combine them into any sort of meaningful word. Hmm. Well, you know, might as well. And Lyrian goes to press the one that's in front of him. <laughs> All right. You press the kinlish symbol for Ra'ak, and as you push it down, it stays depressed. And you hear a kind of release of steam somewhere not far away. Except it sounds like it's behind something, so it's not that loud or apparent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Noah. Lyrian turns to Val and says, Did you hear that? I did, yeah. Uh, is anyone dead? <laughs> Val just like shouts <laughs> in, into the halls. DM, is anyone dead? Are you dead or burned by steam? <laughs> no, no one else experienced this. Also, what's Afron doing? When Reese had gone on into the other room, Efron followed behind. He's just kind of taking everything in, investigating. He's looking around, and he's trying to make some sort of a connection because he also sees the door that they can't get through. He knows the plates. He sees the basin. He's trying to make connections between these things to see if they're parts of a bigger puzzle. Do an investigation roll, please. That is 20. Not natural, though. As you kind of look from piece to piece... Even though, I don't know, actually, is Efron fluent in Kinlish? Can you read Kinlish? I am uh, familiar with it in my travels, but it's not like he was like, oh, this is useful because he didn't really trade with the kin. <laughs> you, you know, it's not like, it's not like, oh, yeah, I go and see my kin buddies over the weekend. You know, we go trade fish. Because they'd kill you. Yeah. So he's he's familiar with it, you know, with some of the letters and whatnot. He doesn't like you know, speak it fluently or read it uh, very well, but he can recognize words and stuff. So knowing that, as you kind of peer down that little hallway where Luca had gone and you look at the door that's just the slab of stone, you recognize inscriptions upon it in these same letterings. And likewise, as you move into the room where Reese is just sort of pacing around this basin, you notice... On the ring of the basin, there are these letters as well. However, what is peculiar is that there are Kinlish letters, or at least letters written in the same style as Kinlish, that are not part of the known alphabet. Interesting. 
Efron keeps all of this to himself. <laughs> Does not share his... No, I'm just kidding. Efron lets out a quick whistle, and this time, instead of calling Tony and the boys, he, uh, he goes, Val, Val, please, come here. I think there is something you might want to see. Uh, Val pokes his head into the room and goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Val peeks into the large room, and Efron goes to meet him. Yeah, Efron meets him, and Efron is actually smiling. Um, he seems kind of, I don't know, he seems a little bit more upbeat. You know, the feeling of adventure and stuff. <laughs> and he says, well, please come here. There are quite a few things interesting about this cavern. One, why would there be Kindlish letters at all underneath a cathedral dedicated to the Ten Truths? Very interesting, but that is not why we are here. What I need your keen eye on is these. And he, and he goes and he shows all the different inscriptions that he has seen around them. Uh, I'm sorry, did did you say keen eye or were you saying kin eye with the accent? Oh, <laughs> both. It was a play on words. Keen. <laughs> sorry. Please oh continue. Double entendre. <laughs> and he shows Val all of the different inscriptions that he has seen. He says, now I do not know what all of these words mean, but some of them are familiar. I am uh, somewhat acquainted with them. However, this is interesting. There are letters here that I have never seen before and perhaps... It is because I am so inexperienced with the language. But I would be curious to know if you recognize any of these letters. I will look at the letters. Val, please perform a history check. You got it. Okay, at 19. Out of the plates, the door, and the basin, which of these are you inspecting more closely? Which is the one that has letters that do not... Do the door and the basin have letters that are not in the alphabet? Yes, both of them. Okay. The door has more, though. I think I would look at the door first. Okay. So as you and Efron approach the door and you go up to it, running your hand along these symbols, kind of feeling the etchings, you start to remember something that you've read many, many years ago in your studies of ancient kin and whatnot. This does seem to be a language that Kinlish is descended from, obviously, some symbols being exactly alike, or at least tangentially so. However, the more you read and the more you remember, the more you recognize what you're reading is not something that you actually want to hear. In fact, everything that has kinlish etching upon it and the more you look around, it seems even the walls you touch and the bits of floor that you've been walking upon are covered in these tiny, tiny runes, every stone brick almost, each one of them outlying one sentence or one word of a greater curse. Uh-oh. <laughs> one word in particular stands out to you, and that is the word deathless. And this this is the first chamber that's had this in it, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it means. Um, Val just kind of panics. Just goes, everybody else, everyone else, back, 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 back. The, um, what is what is going on? Everything is cursed. I don't know. We need to leave. <laughs> we are, and Reese kind of like is. I'm assuming he's able to grab like Val's shoulders, and Val won't be able to like overpower Reese. What are you talking I about? Val's so. ripped the. <laughs> bone. <laughs> Val's been pounding that protein. That's 45 pounds of pure <laughs> muscle. <laughs> 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 uh, 
maybe, Brett, you would. But as you move to sort of seize Val as he's panicking around you and ushering or trying to usher everyone out of these chambers, everyone feels this gust of wind sort of blow down the hallway from whence you came. And it carries with it this strained, drawn-out moan of centuries-old pain. And you hear the rising footsteps of dozens and dozens of feet upon stone. 